This presentation is from UX Australia 2019, Sydney. So please join me in welcoming to the stage Philip Hunter. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Kate. Um, I've known Steve for a while, and Kate and I first met um, in Seattle when she came to speak at a conference, and I've gotten to watch uh, her uh, discussions of humanity emerge uh, over the years, uh, over the past couple of years, and, um, and so I was really excited to be following her today because meaning is really the core of what I want to, uh, to talk about too, and, and, it, and, and the meaning inherent in humanity. So, uh, let's see, we can see the slide. So, let's talk about being human. So, uh, those of us who are uh, blessed or potentially cursed with the ability to speak, uh, talk at about 16,000 words a day. Raise your hand if that seems high to you. Okay, raise your hand if that seems really low. A few of you, yes, you're, oh good, the honest ones. Not all of those are consequential, but we do use a lot of words every day. Uh, in addition to that, teens and adults uh, exchange anywhere from 30 to 100 SMS and app type messages, so Facebook Messenger and the like during our three and a half days that we spend interacting with those devices. And then those of us who are, again, blessed perhaps to use email, uh, have to interact with about 100 or more messages a day. Conversation is a very, very big part of our lives. And most of us, I think, would acknowledge that without conversation, we would accomplish very little. Um, at the same time, conversation is not something, uh, so again, a show of hands. How many of you feel confident in, in every conversation that you are going into with a, a loved one? Oh, I've got, oh, I want you to come up here. <laughs> uh, going into conversation with a loved one, a boss, uh, someone you've had a disagreement with. Right, so the, these are things. These are situations that we may feel confident at this point in our lives, and some of us uh, may have worked very hard on that. At the same time, I would I would guess that most of you, even if you feel confident, you don't necessarily always know why you're able to make it happen. Now, some of us have read books like. Um, uh, books around conversations and, and having tough ones, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we try to learn those lessons and then we, then we practice them, but it doesn't always mean that we know exactly how it happens. The conversation is very critical. Um, and I bring this all up to talk about conversational interfaces, not because um, uh, we need machines to converse with us uh, all the time, but because we are, we are beings of meaning, we are beings of connection, um, we are beings that uh, request and, and deliver information. 
Um, and when we interact with machines in a conversational way, and by the way, when I say conversational, I don't mean just voice, I mean text. So I work in the field of, of I've worked in speech recognition applications for a long time, but I also work with chatbots, and I look at things like Messenger and, and uh, Apple Business Chat and other mediums for exchanging uh, conversations with, with people, uh, between co companies and people. Um, and, uh, and so conversation is, is really about the richness of the things that we are communicating back and forth. We negotiate, we relate, uh, we talk just to connect. Um, and often there's no more reason than, than just to connect that we have a conversation with someone. It's, it's, it could be the reason we say good morning or it could be the reason we talk about uh, uh, the weather, small talk, things like that. So conversation, uh, to take us uh, even a further step back, conversation is the human interface. It is how we interface with each other. Uh, when we communicate, um, we are, with language, we are adopting something that we, most of us believe that we share to some degree, which is an interface, the, the same thing that we build in our, in our digital worlds. Uh, pardon me while I try to read what's in front of me. Um, Meaning requires multiple levels of context. Most of us, we're, we're designers, we, we, we know this. We work with context, we work with content, we work with crafting flow. Um, however, we don't often think about what it all makes up that meaning. It's culture, it's self-owned knowledge, it's, it's imputed knowledge that we, uh, that we assume another person has. Um, it's tonal qualities to our voice, it's, it's gestures. Uh, visual, other visual signals, the environment we're in. Uh, all of those things bring meaning to each and every conversation that we have. Um, we use conversation to engage and fulfill social contracts. I had many conversations about coming to Sydney to, to speak to you today. Uh, we have many conversations about getting work done. Uh, those, of you, those of us who are in long-term committed relationships will have many conversations about that relationship. Meaning goes deep and broad. Uh, meaning shows up in diverse and wide-ranging ways. It shows up as story, persuasion, negotiation, teaching, comfort, poetry, debate, explanation, commiseration, resolution, play, inquiry, defense, entertainment, just a partial list of all of these things. And when we use it, it's not just recognition of words, of static definitions. It's detailed, it's complex, it's subtle, it's sophisticated, it's conceptual, it's inferential. But the reason I'm talking to you today is that our machines aren't doing that with us. We are ignoring these things by and large in our machines. And you can see a quote here uh, from, um, about the idea of mutual responsibility in, in, in conversation. That the participants are trying to establish uh, at, at the initiation of each new interaction, each new contribution, the mutual belief that we understand each other, that we know what we're talking about. How many of you have had a conversation one day and with someone and, and walked away from it 
thinking, wow, they really got me. We were aligned on a course of action. We know what we're going to do. And a week later, the thing that gets done is not what you agreed on. And you go back to them and you all of a sudden it becomes clear that you had two entirely different understandings of what happened. Anyone, that happened to anyone? Raise your hand. Yeah, more than a few of us. It's human. And, and, and then when we think about machines doing that, um, machines that are not necessarily built around meaning, machines that are not designed, or applications that are not designed to do that negotiation, think of all that we aren't even trying to do there. When we have to work so hard with each other and our machines aren't even built yet to do this. So let's look at another example of why this is so important. Uh, and I don't usually like to, uh, I take that back. I always have too much text on my slides. This is a Twitter exchange that I came across just yesterday. It was uh, remarkable that this showed up. I, I was so pleased. A woman who's a speech language pathologist, meaning that she works with uh, often children, uh, but sometimes adults as well, uh, on language issues and not just the, often the mechanics, but not just the mechanics. More importantly, the delivery and reception of meaning. And so you can scan this, but essentially she was on a flight. She sat next to a father who spoke a different language than her and his son. And his son had severe language pathologies. And in an... Sorry. It's so cool because in an eight-hour flight, she gave the gift of meaning to a little boy. This is our desire, right, as, as humans, is to find meaning, like Kate said, to com com communicate meaning. It's not easy, so let's talk about an example of that. Has anyone ever spoken these words or heard them spoken to them? I really need to see you. A few of you, probably more than raise your hand. Now, if you see these in a text message from someone that you are romantically involved with, and it's got this emoji, you're thinking, this could be a lovely evening. <laughs> However, if a few minutes later you check your email, and it comes from your manager, maybe you're definitely going to need that evening because your afternoon is not going to be so great. <laughs> and on a more serious note, if you get this in a voice message from your doctor, this could be life-changing. The same words, simple, relatively simple, well-understood shifts of context. And again, our conversational technology, though, is bypassing these sorts of subtleties. We're not taking these things into account right now. However, we're after that. We want to go there. And yes, there are so many things around that, that, that and I'm sure you've heard of the, um, the issues with Amazon and Apple and, and, and Google listening to recordings and not controlling those well. So privacy and, and sanctity of data remain serious issues to take care of. 
At the same time, we aren't taking care of the human issues of connecting around meaning. Now, just a, a, a brief primer in case you're not familiar with some of these uh, underlying bits of, of the technology. An utterance, we call, when someone says something to a machine, we call that an utterance. It's a form of input similar to opening an app or pressing a button to start something. It's an indication of the willingness to interact. The prompt is what the system uh, presents back, an output. Now, it could be the classic definition of prompt where it's a question wanting and soliciting an input or it could be giving information, presenting the weather in this case. Intent is something that we uh, gather using the natural language processing is an indication of what the, this person wants, uh, either as a direct statement, okay, Google, give me weather and traffic, or it could be indirect. Okay, Google, what are my what's my morning information? Maybe I set that up already, or maybe Google knows from patterns of behavior prior to that. A slot is a variable detail. Could say give me weather and traffic and Google will interpret that as today. You could say give me weather for tomorrow, weather for next Wednesday. Those are slots, variables. And then a turn is the pair. An input, an output. Or in some cases an output, then an input. This is what we do with each other as well. So I don't point this out. I'm not going to go into a great deal of technical detail about how these systems work. But it's important to understand that they're, they're mimicking what we do with each other already, right? We, we walk up to someone and we ask them a question or, or, uh, or, or we give them a piece of information. Now, the interesting thing about talking about all this too is that we're changing the definition of conversation from something that happens between two or more individuals, two, two or more humans, into things that are inanimate, you know, the, the nest or the, the, the Alexa Echo. Uh, and Fred Allen, an old um, U.S. comic writer, uh, talked, wrote a bit about this. Tell me, Mr. Moody, what are your feelings about the radio? I don't hold with furniture that talks. Well, you, you have a radio. Uh, I had one in the hen house, yeah. I don't know if you could really understand that. Um, there's a character there, Titus, who says, I don't hold with furniture that talks. My furniture isn't supposed to make noises at me that sound like another person. Um, and as, as, we, as we heard um, yesterday, the, the strange can be strange until all of a sudden we're used to it, and all of a sudden it's, it's useful to us or it's, it's acceptable. Um, and now we have these devices that are in our homes uh, for some of us, or, or, and many of us have them on our phones as well. Um, and they, they begin to have usefulness to us, or, or at least some desirability. Um, so some of you may be familiar with uh, the American game show Jeopardy, which is uh, it's a quiz show where uh, there's a, a special rule that you have to address, uh, answer, you have to give the answer in the form of a question. So if I say, um, something like, uh, you know, what's, what's the uh, only uh, continent that's also a country, you would say, what is Australia? Um, and 
Um, and it's a it's a big been a big hit for Amazon Alexa, um, primarily because the show was already a big hit and had a very devoted following, um, and so they developed what's called an Alexa skill around that so that people could play, just like the game is played. And so Alexa will present six answers to you, and you have to respond in the form of a question, and 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 the the game will disallow your answer if you don't respond that way. So it's programmed to do that. Um, and people love it. Now, any Jeopardy fans out there? You know, I can't even really see. Okay, a few. So if you are a Jeopardy fan, uh, you know that that game, uh, when you're watching it, it is not watched silently, right? You are yelling your answers at the TV. Convinced that Alex Trebek can hear you as well, if only you had a buzzer. Um, now... And, 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 and so this was a runaway hit almost from day one when it came out because it lets fans play just like on the television. And it's aligned with that day's television content, uh, even more importantly. Um, and so, they, so the, high, and the highest rate of gameplay is immediately following uh, the showing in the local area. Um, Google Home Hub, I believe someone told me I hadn't heard, but it's been renamed the Nest Hub. Um, which just begins to mix all sorts of interesting metaphors together. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's designed to sort of capitalize on a number of factors, sort of like the iPhone. It's not necessarily doing anything net new, but it is bringing things together in a way that ha hadn't been brought together before. Um, and I know a bunch of the, the folks at, at uh, Google who work on these sorts of things, and they, they do a lot of work to really try to bring that together in a way that makes sense and that helps make a home feel more productive uh, uh, and uh, things like that. Um, so what does it mean to design for this? Um, when you're a designer of conversational interactions, the, f the first thing that you realize is that you're, you're anticipating one half of a conversation. You don't know how, you, you're guessing at how the other person is going to respond. And now, and, and people are a, uh, speech recognition is a non-deterministic uh, technology, meaning um, everything is a guess. It's maybe a very, very well-educated and well-refined guess, but it's still a guess. Um, there is no such thing as 100% accurate recognition, um, even for very small domain systems. Um, now, the, one of the reasons that is is that people speak in a non-deterministic way, right? I could start spouting uh, jokes, dad jokes up here, which I make many, and they're all terrible. Um, and you might laugh at them, but you would be wondering why has Philip changed this tack and you know taken this thing into a, a, a very bad comedy routine. But people do that frequently in these systems. We design them for one thing, believing a, a set of usage will occur, and then people will use them in different ways. And I don't mean abusive ways, but I mean they, things will occur to them to say that we didn't anticipate, and then we have to uh, revise that. But your job is to design that one half of that conversation. And it is a collaborative context negotiation, as, as uh, we, we talked about a moment ago, where we're trying our best to see what we can what what we can have the application understand. 
Um, I'm not going to go through the rest of these, but you can see that um, some of these things are very similar to what you already think about in terms of user experience design. Um, some of these, like an exceptional appreciation of the variation of language, might stretch your uh, boundaries of comfort. I know a fair number of designers, sadly, who aren't comfortable writing, who aren't comfortable um, communicating with words. They, they prefer the lines and the color, which are all important. Um, but when it comes to designing voice, uh, designing conversation, you have to learn how to deal with words. Um, and and, and uh, yeah. So, um, so what I want to get into uh, to take you through are five um, technical strategies for conversation. Now, what I mean by technical strategies is you can think about this in terms of product. You can think about this in terms of uh, approaches that you might take. Uh, I'm going to give you some examples of these. Um, I'm going to give you some some practical tips. Um, I'm. I'm only going to get you, I'm not even going to get you, um, I'm definitely not throwing you into the deep end. I'm, I'm not even necessarily splashing, maybe I'm just splashing you with a little bit of speech and, and conversational thinking here. But we'll go through these. Um, and uh, so the first one here is obviously a play on um, Steve Krug's book. Um, there's, a, there's a, a tendency that we have when we design these systems to think that the, other, that the person who's using it is, is thinking. Now, it's not that necessarily that we're trying to make them think, but we do think that they're thinking. But the, we don't really. We don't actually think much when we talk. Now, that might seem odd to some of you, and it might make perfect sense to others of you. Part of the challenge is that we're doing, we're really good at this. We're really good at conversation. And basically, at the same time that someone else is saying something to us, and we are processing that information in milliseconds, we are also constructing our response also in milliseconds. Otherwise, every conversation would be like, hey, did you see the weather today? Yes. What about it? Well, I noticed it was raining. You did? What about that? So, but we don't do that, right? We're, we're, we're back and forth. We're, we're, we're quick. Um, the thing is that the, when we construct these systems, though, when we interact with someone else, I should say, we're pretty sure through getting to know them, even in milliseconds, even in, in a few seconds, even meeting someone for the first time, we're pretty sure of, we make, of the assumptions that we make about what they can, that person can and can't do. With systems, we don't have that. We don't know what the system is and isn't aware of. Um, and so, one of the challenge we challenges we have is, as designers, is, is keeping track of what's happening and understanding that the other person is, that the person is also trying to keep track of what is happening. And in the end, we're left with silence before the next step. So you saw the words flash on the screen. That may seem unusual. 
I'm not going to show them to you again. Because with speech, once it happens, it's gone. Unless we ask someone to repeat it. And if we do that enough, they get annoyed and walk away. <laughs> now, our speech systems don't, fortunately, have the gift of getting annoyed. They get to do whatever we tell them to do. But at the same time, when we're presenting information with a speech system, we're presenting it to people who are dealing with potential memory overload or distraction. We're dealing with people who have a need for predictability, for familiarity. Um, and then we also have to think about the fact that we have to be flexible uh, with content and context. Um, and we have to realize that conversation requires constant maintenance and repair. Repair is a fascinating topic. Now, if you've interacted with a speech system, you've undoubtedly heard it say, I didn't quite get that, or I'm sorry I didn't understand you, or did you say, and that all seems very stilted, and it is, because it's a very poor way of doing those sorts of things. However, we do these things in conversation all the time. We call them repair, and it's, it's part of that negotiation. And it could be something like, I didn't catch what you just said, or it could be like, I, I kind of get what you're saying, but if you could you know, give, it, give me an example or say it in a different way, I want to I try to make sure I understand it. This repair happens about every 84 seconds in almost every language that is spoken on Earth. Uh, and and it, this uh, study came out of uh, uh, university here in, in Australia. Um, and it's, a, it's so, such a crucial part of our uh, and such a common part of our conversation. So we don't even usually know that we're doing it. We're, we just do it. And we have very, very highly crafted, highly skilled, highly practiced uh, ways of doing that. But our speech systems aren't designed that, that way yet. Uh, but we need them to be. And so we need to think about how do we design in ways that provide clarity about what to do and why. We need to plan for misinterpretation. We need to plan for spontaneous changes of direction. We need to be careful with open-ended prompts. You might, you might have encountered systems that say, how may I help you? And certain, certainly Alexa and Google are sort of, by definition, open-ended because they just are sitting there passively until you address them. But here's something we, I did recently at my, the company I work for where we had some trouble with how may I help you? Because how may I help you invites almost anything, right? And one of the things it was inviting here was I want to talk to a person. And I'm, I'm, I have no problem getting someone to a person. But at the same time, automation has its benefits. And I won't go into that. But one of the things that I talked about with our team was, well, we're asking this question that has nothing to do with actually inquiring what they're calling about. We're just saying, how may I help you? Which is, you know, it's a standard greeting, and I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm splitting hairs, but it's an important hair. Um, and, and, and so changing just brief, you know, subtly to what are you calling about today? All of a sudden, I'm calling to talk to a person. doesn't quite ring true, because I'm not. I'm calling to get something done. I'm calling to take care of a problem. And what we want to do is get, them to get the person to say that. And then we'll you know, do all sorts of other things. Now, so that's, that's this idea of you know, let's help people through the process. Don't make them think. Don't assume that they're thinking. There's also the human connection. And 
as for those of you who saw Tripp's talk yesterday, we don't really have any other way of relating to things that aren't us um, except to have inanimate objects and animate objects. And, but on top of that, we really apply the, 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 the well, let's just say it this way. We love other people. I know some of you are probably misanthropes. I can be that way from time to time, but, and that's okay. But we do crave uh, human presence, whether it's just the one special person or whether it's people who enjoy being a part of a, a big crowd. Um, and, and we apply these cravings to, to pretty much everything. I mean, raise your hand if you've never yelled at your computer. <laughs> okay, I thought so. So, now, raise your hand if your computer yelled back. <laughs> right, so we know this, right? We, we don't expect the computer to yell back. But we do this, we treat everything as a person, we put faces on toast, you know, we, all of these sorts of things that, that um, aren't real, but that's just the way we're, we're wired. Um, it kept us alive, it kept us evolving, it helps us procreate, all of these sorts of things. And so we continue to do this, right? We just meet for coffee and we talk and we wanna exchange things. Um, and we have little conversations like, the coffee's so good here, it really is. Now, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words in that conversation. Um, and those seven words are replacing all of these words. This is what's really being talked about in this conversation. And actually, that's an incomplete list. I, I wanted it to be somewhat legible. I am not going to read that to you. Um, but imagine, you know, what's, what's what we get into when it's more complicated, more complex, more involved. Now, uh, decades ago, a, a guy by the last name of Grice observed why we replace that long list with those seven words. And his, so he, he had these maxims. These are observed principles, not prescriptive. He observed that we engage in quality, truthfulness, honesty, clarity. We engage with quantity, just enough information. We engage with relevance, uh, things that make sense in the moment. And then we engage with manner that's appropriate between the, 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 the parties that are speaking. And if you've ever, if you have children, if you've ever taught, you've ever interacted with a child as an adult, then you know you talk to a child differently. And the child is, is ne not necessarily aware of that, although they may you know, say, well, that person's doing grown-up talk right now, especially depending on what the language is that's coming out of that person's mouth. But, um, but the, uh, the idea here is that, that there are things that make effective conversation, and Grice observed these for us. Now, we also have principles and guidelines that we can apply to our... Um, uh, to, uh, to our designs, and so things like brevity, focus, ease, helpfulness. Um, these are important things for us to say, how do we create the kinds of conversations that we would like to have and that other people will find useful, other people will find meaningful. Now, a third thing here is something that's very near and dear to my heart right now. It's the idea that 
our systems don't treat us well, these conversational systems. Now, we could say the same is true of many applications, many websites, but when it's voice, when it's conversation, it feels more personal. Conversation is intimate. Conversation is addressed to us. When it's an application, we can just say, I hate that app. We don't necessarily feel offended by that app, but if something says something to us, especially if it's a machine in our home that we expect to help us, then it becomes very difficult. I'm gonna jump out of this for a moment and show you all something that um, uh, hopefully I kept in the right spot. Um, no, of course I didn't. Why would I do that and be helpful to myself? Oh, there it is. Okay. Okay. Why am I... Um, hmm. Do we know why I wouldn't have audio right now? Sorry. I think... Alexa, play the Brett Lear song by the Corys. I caught it. Then it's the Corys. The Well, what the f can you fun? Now, if you like, the, I I'm doing this. These folks are amazing. They are extremely patient. I, I worked at Alexa. I probably would have put that device in the fireplace after about half of what these people dealt with. Now, I show you that because uh, a place that I find a great deal of frustration is when I see articles like these. Now, I've been asked about this at this conference, and, and I know that some of you are parents, and some of you are parents who are worried about their children becoming insensitive and rude because of a device in their home that, where, where it's hard to say, you need to say please and thank you. And sure enough, in response to articles like this, Alexa and Google have introduced things, pretty please, and I can't remember the one that's on Alexa, but uh, where... Um, it requires you to say, please, to get something. Now, I hate that. I just want to be really clear. Now, it's not that I'm anti-politeness. I, I taught my children to be polite, caring towards people who were treating them well. Now, I don't, mean, I, I, I don't necessarily mean that. You should be polite to, to a person even if they're being rude to you. However, my point is that these systems are not designed to be good to us. I'm not saying they're designed to be bad to us, but they are not specifically designed to be good to us. And so my response to these sorts of things right now is the, the applications we get right now are neither good people nor good machines. And so I'm not going to worry about being polite to something until I see that the level of care for me is also being given. And I can tell you that it's, it's not there. Um, now, there are hard constraints here, like time limits for attention, input duration, things like that. 
Um, but there are also things like hard to discover offerings. I don't know what a system or a machine or an application necessarily is capable of. I don't see anything. It's not telling me what it can do. There's invisible narrowing. I issue a command and th then all of a sudden I can do a, a fewer things that I could before, but I don't know that. And then there are just the terrible ways that, that failure is handled. And you've all experienced it. We talked about it earlier. If you say, Alexa, why? I don't know what you're referring to, or I can't handle that right now, or things like that. And, and yeah, sure, you know, that's a weird thing to say, but there are basic conversations that we can have with each other. And so my fiance is traveling here with me, and she has gotten to know what I'm sure all of you are familiar with uh, as the designer sigh. I'm on a website, and I'm on an application, and all of a sudden, wrong baby I can't you would if I could strangle a product manager right now I would now um, and I'm not saying I design perfectly I've made plenty of bad decisions in fact I've been in this field for so long I I made some of the original mistakes I'm trying to learn from them and do better um, but Handling failure is critical, and, 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 and turning failure into not failure is critical, and, and we have to do that before we can really say that the machines are treating us well. And then lastly, the idea that our systems and applications are, tend to be designed in a very MVP style, as is true in many parts of our digital world. But with voice, with conversation, there's actually a, almost a mandate. The system has to be smarter than the situation it's handling. You think about this, it's, it's, it's sort of the idea of a container and we don't know, you know, I can see this glass and I could know that I could probably fill up, I could probably pour an entire one of those bottles of water into it, but I would know that I can't pour more than, probably more than one, certainly not two, two complete bottles. But we don't know that with these invisible systems. We don't know what they're capable of. And they should be capable of two bottles of water if they need to be, if that's our situation. And so that's something that needs to happen. Now we can know this, we can design for this, we can ask the right questions uh, about the people who would be using these systems. And these are, these are some of the questions, there are many more, you're all UX professionals, these are not unusual questions to ask. But we don't see them asked well enough or, and followed up well enough yet in our current state of voice technology. And then there's some things around even what we ask. So once we have these answers, what do we do with them? Perhaps it's, you know, we ask questions of it, we interrogate, we critique. Does this prompt sound like a human would say it spontaneously? I can tell you that the system requires your 10-digit account number to be put into it is not a natural way to say, what's your 10-digit account number? Do we say things, do we design things to be conscientious? Um, if it's not conscientious, if it doesn't feel like it could be spontaneous, how do we change it? Um, does the prompt connect? I hear so many of these systems where each prompt sounds like the prior one was never spoken. Or, or you know, in, in other words, we say things like, um, or the systems say things like, um, what, in order for me to access your account, what's your 10-digit account number? Blah, 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 blah. 
I will now access your account using your 10-digit account number. What did I think was going to happen? <laughs> I mean, really, was it necessary to say that? Another thing that happened at home, and I tried to get um, a recording of this, but I, I, and I apologize, but we play a lot of music on our devices, and, and, um, and, and our device tends to respond in a very wordy way to in the same way every time. Now playing such and such, playing on such and such device, playing from Amazon Music. I, I'm not going to tell you the company. Um, but um, so recently I, I gave one of these queries and before that long thing they added the term got it. Uh, and I thought, well, got it's cool, but you can't say the rest of it now. Got it means got it. I mean, what else does it mean? You don't say got it and then explain what you got. <laughs> I mean, th th then don't say got it. Anyway, um, okay, a couple of things, a couple more things. Um, language is alive. We need to, to, to understand that language changes. How many of you would consider yourself, now be brave, how many of you would consider yourself a grammarian or, or a, uh, you know, you really focus, okay, several of you, great. I have bad news for you. Your time is limited. And what do I mean by that? Now, I, I'm not saying, grammar is great because grammar helps us with a lot of things around meaning. You know, you, you know it's, it's the whole uh, Oxford comma debate, um, you know, and your Uncle Jack, you've probably heard that one. So. Um, but, but what I'm saying is that language is dynamic. It changes, it lives, it moves, it, it emerges from different groups. The mis, the, what you think of as misuse is not actual misuse. It's not laziness, rudeness, signs of an appending apocalypse. Words can die. Structures can die. Structures can change. New words are amazing. Um, change is a sign of richness. Um, you see, Gretchen McCulloch uh, wrote a book recently, uh, published it recently, called Because Internet, about the, she's an, she's an internet linguist is what she calls herself, and she is saying to the world, look at how amazingly uh, evolved we are as a species by analyzing the, the language. Even the OL, LOLs and the OMGs, it's all really amazing. Um, so one of the most amazing uh, other amazing uh, things that I came across recently is, uh, how many of you are familiar with Mr. Rogers, or not familiar, I guess, maybe. So, so Mr. Rogers, kind of a worldwide phenomenon, maybe the best thing that America ever did. I, seriously, like, so he, he had a set of rules that his writers called Fredish about how to phrase things to children. And so I thought, I looked at these and I thought, these are amazing, they're beautiful, they're lovely. So I adapted them to say, how could we write better prompts, better interactions for people using machines. Now these, are, these aren't perfect, but they're a start in, in, to, in, 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 in what it really encourages is iteration towards better. There's not just a fixed way of saying any one thing. So revise and, and, and imbue care and thoughtfulness. And so the last thing I'll bring up is uh, Yea, though I talk in the uncanny valley of the shadow of the Death Star. Now, one of my favorite things when I watched the second set of Star Wars movies <laughs> was to make that noise. <laughs> yes, oh my God, the dialogue was so terrible. And, and, and not, you know. And so, what I encourage you to do 
is take everything that I've said, but also realize that this is a craft. This is a polish. How many of you are visual designers and you've, you've studied hard? You went to art school, yes, and, and you, you love the subtleties of a gradient and the, the perfect rounded corner and all of that. Do the same with voice. Do the same with conversation, with words, craft. And, you know, yesterday we talked about deep fakery things, and, and, and that's, that's important. And the more we get to, closer to the get, we get to realism, sometimes people get worried about whether this is going to be, will people even know that it's, you know, it's Google duplex, will they be fooled? It, it's not about that. It's about us feeling like we're being treated like a person, like we can behave like a person, and that we don't have to relearn a set of, of different rules or, or, or learn a set of different rules. So bring in the storytellers, bring in the language crafters, the screenwriters, build things people love and want to interact with. Thank you. <laughs>